Welcome back to the Steph Gordon Show. Today, I have a massive girl boss in the studio with me. I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. Her name is Jade Spooner, and she has been named in Forbes 30 Under 30 list. She is a business consultant, an author, and the co-founder of two incredible companies. Equilution was her first baby, and her newest venture is Big Appetite. She is on a mission to leave a legacy in this world and to help other people do the same. And we are so excited to have you on the podcast today, Jade. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you for such a beautiful introduction. I love that. Uh, I really enjoyed stalking your profiles and your <laughs> website and having a big read and reading like everything that I could find online about you. Like I was already a fan <laughs> of your energy and what you create, but it was really cool doing the research for this podcast and finding out so much more about you and your story. So for those of you who don't know you, who is Jade Spooner? Oh gosh. Well, I feel like there's a bit of a new version of me at the moment, considering I've just gone into startup world again. But look, I've kind of always had that, I guess, business sort of essence in me. And I started my first startup at around 22. So I I worked at Google full-time and I quit that role to pursue my first startup Equolution full-time, which was a nutrition app. So in the tech space. And more recently, I exited that company in the last sort of 12 months and went on to a new venture, Big Appetite. Aside from the work side of things, which as you know, forms a very big part of who you are. You sort of can't help when someone says who are you, you just go straight into what you do. <laughs> but no, aside from that, I've recently fallen in love and I've got a wonderful partner. I've got a gorgeous little dog. I'm extremely active. I'm a huge believer in, I do definitely practice what I preach. My first startup being obviously in the health and fitness space. And the second one very much focused on health and fitness businesses as well. So yeah, I'm a huge advocate for health, fitness, and, and I love, you know, being active and things like that too. Yeah. And I think one thing that I've really pieced together from reading kind of everything about you and really looking into your world is you're a big advocate for balance. It's yeah, as trying to find as much balance as possible, whether that's in what you eat, whether that's in your lifestyle, and that in how you keep busy, trying to find that balance is something that's important to you. Definitely, because I think when you find it, you can't help but feel super passionate about, you know, giving that gift to other people. And, and essentially that's how my first business evolution started. It was really built on passion and the fact that we had found a way to eating in a balanced and sustainable manner and wanted to share that mission with the world. Mm. And that leads me into my first question, which is the same question I ask every guest, which is, what did you do to make your first dollar as an entrepreneur? Was it Equolution? Was that your first foray into into entrepreneurship? That actually wasn't my first business. My first business was hilarious, actually. Yeah. So basically, when I was younger, I used to do the flyer handouts, like as a promo girl. And anyhow, I finished up my shift one night and I was working for Anytime Fitness, the franchise. And I said to the owner, I said, just out of curiosity, you don't have to answer this, but what are you paying for me per hour through my agency? And he said $65. And I nearly fell off my chair because I was getting $20 an hour. And I was like, oh my God, the margin. Hello. Anyway, I said to him, I said, if I get you some fit young girls to hand out flyers and charge you sort of 40 an hour, would you do that through me? And he said, absolutely. So anyhow, so that was my first business. I actually recruited girlfriends and my younger sister and yeah, just anyone that was happy to make, you know, the cash in hand. And I had a little agency and I had no intention of taking it anywhere. It was really just like a, whilst I was at uni sort of thing, but it was my first gig. (laughs) I love that. A little flyer agency, a little promo agency. 
such an accident. And because like very similar to just general business word of mouth and the power of it, he told a couple of other franchisors and then they reached out to me. And then I had, sometimes I would have like three locations with like four girls on each location (laughs) and was like coordinating like a roster and stuff like that. And I was like 18 years old. (laughs) That's incredible. And for anybody listening, such a timely reminder that when you see an opportunity, go for it. Oh, a hundred percent. And also too, I think we're really fortunate in this day and age that there is a lot of education around, you know, startups and entrepreneurship and, and things like that. Back in those days, it wasn't really spoken about. Like your dad had a job. That was sort of the essence of the work culture in Australia, especially like, you know, later in, in my early twenties, when I started delving into like tech startups and stuff, you know, the US had accelerator programs and all this and Australia didn't so much. So I think we're really fortunate in today's day and age that the resources are there. Like you can literally self-pace yourself through a course on how to start a business and just have a better understanding than how we sort of like just floundered our way through this. <laughs> Plung it together and yeah. figured it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So I think I'd love to start with equilition. So yeah. it really disrupted the diet industry at the time. And for me, you know, obviously my partner and I also own a gym and for us finding balance in food is something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah. But at the time that you founded it, I guess having balance in food was a concept that was not super common. Like I remember kind of back in those days, like everyone was like chicken and broccoli, rice and chicken. Like that was all you could eat if you wanted to lose weight. I think at that time I was even like just before Equilution started, I was doing some sort of egg diet where I was eating like three eggs in the morning, three eggs in the evening and like only eggs, just eggs. Like it was crazy the shit that we were doing back then. I know, right? And so not only when Equilution came to market were we not on trend because it, it was almost, people wore it like a badge of honor back in the day to eat as restrictively as possible. It was kind of like if you could cut everything under the sun and still stick to it. I still remember back in the day, those strong as the new skinny accounts and stuff, and they'd have a 30 day no sugar challenge or something like that. It was really not cool to be Equilution. <laughs> we were definitely not on trend, but in a really sort of tasteful way, we were really angry founders that we'd learned what we'd learned through understanding the science of nutrition. And there were people out there that were just disturbing people's health and mindset towards food through practicing something that was like totally unnecessary and totally scientifically wrong. You know, so that was really the birth of evolution whilst we went against the grain and it wasn't on trend. It was the trends that sparked the initial query, like, is this the only way? And then following from that, oh gosh, if they're all saying this, we've got to tell everyone it's this way, you know? Totally. So when you started and you had this idea and you were like, I mean, you and Amal figured it out, who's your co-founder, Yeah, figured it out, you figured out this is what's worked for us and, and we want to share this with other people because this means that you can effectively have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. What then? How are you finding customers? Like where were you finding people? How did you start getting the message out? Yeah. So it's funny because I do work with a lot of online coaches and personal trainers today and finding your first customer is always the most common question. And one thing I will always preface that with is I feel we learned and practiced a lot of really effective strategies, but like all businesses, good things take time. And it's good to mention that Equolution is eight years old and it's an amazing business and it's done phenomenal things, but it's eight years old and it was one of the first on the turf. So those two things do play you know, a big role, but Basically, when we first started, we started with a coach, a flexible dieting coach, and his name was Jonathan, and he was the third founder of Evolution. 
Now, when we went to him and said, do you want to take it full time? He said, no, I don't want to write nutrition plans full time. Like, That's fine. He's like, he gave us his blessing. We're still the greatest of friends with him today. We went to his wedding actually last year and we had a bit of a moment, three of us, we just reflected that, you know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. So we do owe a lot to him, but he was our first coach and he kind of had a way of doing things. In all respect, it was a bit of a dinosaur way. Things were on pieces of paper and he was writing you know, meal plans in Word documents and whatnot. But we kind of really learned from him, I guess, meal planning. And Amal then built on his formula for coming up with the calorie and macro targets. And, you know, we kind of sort of stemmed from there. But back to your question about getting the first client, we had an offer. And I think that was a really good place to start. We knew exactly what we were offering. Learn your numbers, learn your magic numbers and get a customized meal plan that tailors to the food that you love. That sounds like what every man in the dog sells today. But back in the day, it was like revolutionary. Yeah, it was like, I remember back in the day, like if you go out with your girlfriends and one of you would eat pasta, the rest of you'd be like, oh my God, I know. Pasta, like, oh my God, how do you look like that? Like it just wasn't allowed. Like we were not allowed to eat like that effectively. It wasn't known. So yeah, so we had an offer, which is a great place to start for an early startup. We knew exactly what we're going out to market with. And then we actually recruited friends and family for our first testimonials. So we just went out to friends and family and said, if we give you a diet for, you know, eight, 12 weeks, whatever that may be, will you be our first spokespeople? And it was actually my mom's best friend who was like total standout as just the mouth from the South when it came to preaching us because she wanted to lose 10 kilos for a cruise. She said, if you guys can make me lose 10 kilos for a cruise, I will sing your praises. We helped her lose 10 kilos for the cruise. We coached her every single week. It's a really intricate service, one-on-one, you know, we're chatting on a weekly basis and we really did, we're along the journey with her. So it got to the 10 kilo mark and she did. She brought all of her friends and then they brought all of their friends and it just kind of compounded from there. And then I think it was through some influencers started to buy our program online and we'd see their name come up and be like, oh my, oh my freaking God, like they've just bought our program. We'd reach out to them and say, we'd love to offer you an additional X for free, or we would love to refund your purchase and have you just represent our brand if you try it first and see if you like it. Gifting's really common now. Back in the day, it wasn't so much, you know, so we also built a big ambassador list as well through just gifting and they had the opportunity to try it out first and believe in it and then sort of preach as well. And then from there, like the community comes and that's another sales tool in itself. Mm. Yeah. And I want to point out, not only did you have an incredible offer, which was different to everything else that was on the market, and not only did you have the passion and the drive and were willing to work effectively for free initially while you were getting this thing off the ground so you could get the proof and the testimonials. Yeah. But you also, and that's something I talk to my customers about a lot, is you got results. Yeah. And I think that that is something that, I mean, you would see this, especially in the fitness industry. Yeah. A lot of people who say all the buzzwords, you know, we have a great community or I think in any industry really at all, it's all well and good to be great at sales and marketing, but you really have to be able to deliver. Oh, definitely. If you can deliver, like you've just mentioned, you get raving fans and those raving fans will bring raving fans. Totally. I I completely agree with you. And even like from a founder's perspective, you know, I could jump on Instagram and say anything about my history or career that would give people confidence to allow me to be their business coach. But at the end of the day, unless others are not singing our praises, it doesn't have as much impact. So the minute that you put a testimonial in front of someone versus the co-founder, you know, you get a completely different response. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Collision and, and getting it out there and getting those first customers is incredible. 
I know that eventually you took the app concept or you you wanted an app concept. Yep. You wanted to take it off that pen and paper dinosaur way and, and do something. And that again was also very different at the time. I read that you took it to Silicon Valley and you yep. and you got some t- how? Like two, you know, two girls from Australia back then, like that's not super common. Okay, it's not super common and it sounds so sophisticated. We actually had no freaking idea what we were doing, if I'm completely honest with you. We okay. Were, we were just, we had a self-belief like no other. And even to this day, we're obviously both doing different things, but we both still have that in our characters and that sort of hasn't hasn't gone away. So from, from that moment, we knew that we wanted to build an app and we were working at Google and we knew that Silicon Valley was like the tech hub of the world. So we just took a one-way ticket to there and just we didn't know what we were doing. And to be frank, like 80% of the trip was a waste of time. Like we used all of our money. We just kind of we didn't know what we're up to in our journey and what we're meant to be doing. But then we went to this conference called the Startup Grind, which was powered by Google. And we came across that through a total freak of nature. I genuinely believe when we're looking for something along those lines, we just needed to make sure we got to America for a purpose. Like we didn't want to go home and have had done nothing over there. So we found this conference and I don't think all this caliber of people would ever sit in one room again, but it was, mind you, like seven years ago. So we had the founder of Twitter, founder of Uber, founder of Lyft. They were all in one room and um, we just heard their story and like we didn't learn a heck of a lot, but like what we felt was a lot different, which was basically like, that sounds like our story. We're at that start. And I think we just got a little bit more of, pers- more of a perspective. There was a lot of talk about, you know, knowing your customer finding your customer where fish where the fish fish sort of thing and we were like why are we in america when people are in australia like the food culture is really different dieting culture is really different like we could go back home you know when we were there we were sort of there was not many females there we met these guys that were investors and they had an accelerator program that was like an on-site one so you go and stay for like two months you, you smash out your project or whatever and then you pitch and it's sort of like a shark tank thing anyway they offered us something silly for 20%. And we just thought, no, is the answer. But that was so good for our self-confidence as well. We were like, oh my gosh, people are making offers and we barely have any clients at this point. I think we're servicing maybe 20 or 30 a week. Anyhow, so then from Silicon, we flew back home and we had just more of a roadmap. We thought the first step was to go into an accelerator program and we found one at Sydney Uni and we were just groomed from there. Like it was just all preparation for everything that was just to come that we had no idea what was ahead, but we just need to keep taking steps. Did you end up getting investors on board? Never. No, we bootstrapped. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 So good. It was a bit challenging because the tech outcome was proportionate to our budget at the time. So we did have two failed apps previous to the version that exists today. And basically the first one was just some uni guys and they couldn't do it. And they came to our handover meeting and they were beside themselves and they were like, guys, this is too hard for us. Like, that's fine. We lost that money. And then we went offshore, spent a couple of hundred grand and we lost that as well because it it didn't work. So yeah, so the third time was really, we just thought just, one thing at once, focus on building the business. We were confident that we could get the revenue to support a development. And that's a series of how we did it. My goodness. And it's congratulations. Cause like that's so many roadblocks to overcome. Like the third time you put money down for this app, you guys must have been like, Oh, surely. But you learn something every time. So I'm sure you went in there with better questions, better comprehension, knowing exactly what you're looking for. You probably knew so much more going into that. Yeah. Well, you know what's so funny? I was actually talking with the guy that built our app only last week about this. And he said, I still remember that first meeting. And you guys said, this is our last shot. 
And he's like, I just knew like I had that weight on my shoulders. He's like, I couldn't fail. And so he he similarly had the same pressure that we did, you know, like mm. he he was a vehicle to get the job done. But if he couldn't do it, the job wasn't done, you know, similar to our previous fails. So yeah. I think there was a little bit of luck in all of this as well. <laughs> There's always that I believe you make your own luck, but I, I really do think that when I even look back on my own journey, I really do think there's a lot of right place, right time, right people sort of situations. I think I think to better say it, perhaps not luck, but I read this book, The Universe Has Your Back. Have you read it? Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, and that that saying in itself, I think is just it speaks volumes, right? Like And I think it's the energy you bring, like that unwavering self-belief, even in the face of the hurdles that you were facing and the resilience that you had to build, that unwavering, no, 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 we've got this and we're, we're going to try yeah. again and we're going to do it again and we're going to raise this hundreds of thousands of dollars to get this next yeah. thing off the ground. Like, I think that the universe continues to open doors for you yeah. when you keep stepping into the to the big scary thing and keep stepping into the fear and keep backing yourself in that direction eventually. Like, I think I read another quote that said, your success is inevitable as long as you don't give up. Yeah, it's so true. It yeah. is really I mean, the road to it is like always a bit, you know. <laughs> the road's never, yeah, for any entrepreneur listening right now, the road is never straight. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's very, very up and down and windy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the the downs are hard, but the ups make it so worth it. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you were working at Google, which was, you know, that's very cool. And and that was probably even cooler back in the day. Like you said you were, what, 22 or something? Are you yeah. 20? Well, Amala actually got me the job. She, she was working there in the product side of things, like all of their laptops and gadgets and things like that. And she got me the job and it was actually in in sales and marketing. And it turned out to be a great position. I deferred my law degree for it because it came up as a full-time position. I was studying full-time. I thought, oh, stuff it. The law degree can wait. Like I've got to just take a, a punt mm. at Google because, you know, that would be great. But climbing the corporate ladder was, I just don't think, on the agenda for me. And, and then we started Evolution both when we were there as well. We would do it on the train to work. When we were on our way home, we'd talk about it at work. We'd do it on our lunch break. And it wasn't a chore. It was total passion. So I think that was a big indicator for us to, you know, it would have been a great corporate ride, but we just weren't, we weren't in it. I want to continue on the Google train, but mm. in a second, because I want to circle back to something that you just said, which was around passion. And I do hear, and you probably see this as well as a coach. I think sometimes people, they want whatever it is that entrepreneurs have been sold in terms of maybe time freedom, financial freedom. And often, I don't know if you've seen this as well, but I think sometimes people are in the wrong vehicle to get to that outcome that they want. Because like you said, it's not a chore when you love it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think having a business and having a mission often go hand in hand, but not everyone has both of those things in their back pocket. And there's people out there that are put on this earth to do one thing and be taking the plunge to start their own business to vehicle that. And then on the flip side, there's people that just would like to be a business owner, but don't feel like a problem is keeping them up at night, you know? So I've always felt really lucky to have both in both situations. And it was definitely a fear when I left Evolution. I was really emotional about, will it feel like this ever again? Because I really felt like that was a bit of a magical business and story and everything. And it was a fear that it wasn't going to come back again. And that's interesting. I had a business before I had this one. And yeah. I know so much of your identity gets wrapped up in it too. And yeah. it's a real grieving process. Like I sold a business. It's a real mm-hmm. grieving process to move on and start again. And even though you know that you're moving on to start something really exciting, something you're really passionate about, yeah. 
there is so much of your identity that gets tied to the work. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. And I also had like a lot of lifestyle changes as well that came with that change, having 25, 30 staff versus going into the startup world and bootstrapping that as well and whatnot. It changed my life. I look back two years ago and I thought, oh God, girl, you did not know what you were sitting on when you had that. And now I don't. And I'm sure, you know, it's going to come back at some point, but it was a big lifestyle change as well as a shock to the system. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. Before I circle back to Big Appetite and what you're doing now, which I'm really excited to dive into, a lot of the women that will be listening to this podcast might be at the stage where they're working in their day jobs and they're doing their side hustle. Yep. Leaving a job like Google, which would have been, first of all, just such an incredible position and opportunity, and I'm sure your family and everyone around you would have been like, oh my God, that is such an incredible opportunity. Making the decision to leave, was that, easy or how did you know that it was time? Well, firstly, I think the first thing to touch on is the support and I have a super supportive family. I think my dad was the only one that was a little bit skeptical, but in like a really hilarious way. He just wanted me to go back to and finish the law degree. He, he, wasn't even, he wasn't even stuck on the Google thing. He was just like, Dal, would you ever go back and study law? And he even said to me, I think it was like three or four years into evolution when it was doing well, you're doing all right for money, Del. Like, is everything? He just like had. I think couldn't he, comprehend it. He just couldn't quite get yeah. his head around it. But yeah, he's like, you should definitely go finish that law degree, babe. Yes, <laughs> I think we've taken a different turn since then. My mum's a tenacious entrepreneur, and she just not only has the guts with the own business type of avenue, but she also works like incredibly hard. Mm. So when this came up. I remember she was saying go. We had a lot of go for it around us. Amal's dad, he is an entrepreneur, like a serial entrepreneur, has had a number of like really successful businesses. I think he had like 14 pizza huts or something at one point back when they had restaurants. So he was also like go for it. So we were hugely supported. And I know that not everyone is lucky to experience that. And sometimes the noise can be too loud for some people and they just can't quite get past it and just go against the grain and just swim against all of those tides and just go and do it. So I feel very grateful for the support. Mm -hmm. So I I would say that that is a factor. And the second and third thing to mention is just like, we made sure it was safe. You know, we had savings. I'm not saying it was a lot. We were only 22 at the time. You were young. We had a bit under our belt, which we just threw into like a joint account at one point. The second thing to that was like, we had evolution at a point where we could kind of calculate that it was swimming well enough to be able to leave at that point. Like we had a bit of consistent income behind us. It wasn't massive, but it was enough that we could say, okay, this is what we've produced almost on a casual basis. Imagine if we go full time and, and go all in on this instead of like sort of one putting one camp and one in the other. I think if there's anyone that's like more checklist inclined and like what are the steps and what do you need first? I think. The support factor is huge. You know, you need to be backed. It's lonely, but to know that you're not alone is a really nice thing. We had a lot of positive noise around us. So I would encourage like fulfillment of that. And then of course, you know, just having validation first, like leaving your full-time safe job with no savings for an idea is, I'm not saying it's never been done before. It's been done a lot, but it's where discomfort can come. Totally. And I think also that like you and Amal would have felt it, that increasing demand. Like you can feel like, guys, you'll feel it in your business when momentum is building. You will feel it. It is like 
exciting and terrifying and it almost feels like it's getting away from you and you, you're having more and more inquiries and you start to put it together. Like you said, we're working casually. Maybe you're working on it 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week. Yeah. And you thought if we both went and we were able to give this like 70 or 80 hours a week yeah. and we have this demand, we can see that there are this many people we can't even service right now because we don't even have capacity. You just know. But yeah, having the savings behind you as well. Definitely. I think we did toy at one point that I would stay at Google and then Amal would go first and then we'd, but then we were just like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Did you hand in your notice on the same day? Yeah. I actually did it. I did it first and then I sent her a ping and I said, I, I just quit, but it wasn't, we decided we were going to do it, but I didn't give her any warning. It just felt like the right time. So I just did it. And then she said, she was like, oh shoot, I've got to do it now. She's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, she went. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you obviously have recently left Equolution after eight years. How did you know it was time to do something new? Oh, gosh. It's a really weird time because I'm still in it, obviously, like still in the thick of, you know, having essentially two businesses. But the actual leaving side of things was more a feeling more than anything. Like nothing was fundamentally wrong with the position that I was in. I just knew that the growth for me personally had stopped. And I also as well could see where the company was going and a scale up to a startup is a very different kettle of fish. And I just wasn't sure if that was me. And as well as the vision as well, it was very simplistic when we first started that we were online coaches that were going to build this IP into a mobile app. And then the mobile app was built and then people within the company and co-founders, et cetera, get a different idea of what the next phase is as well. And so I think, you know, a lot changed from the start, but I mean, eight years is a really good wicket. So when those feelings started to come on after such a long period of time, I would say they started to come on a couple of years before that. I just didn't really know how to handle them or what this meant. You know, I was unhappy in my own business. How does that make sense? This is a dream yeah. come true. You know, this is everything I ever wanted. Yeah. Why am I not happy with this? Yeah. yeah. And then there was a couple of other factors as well. You know, like I need 30 and I am not afraid to say that I was really lonely. Like I didn't have a partner. I hadn't had a long-term relationship like since I was very early 20s. And I was not ready by any means to settle down, but I knew that there was more life out there that this business had not allowed me to explore. And I was ready to explore it, whether that meant personal growth in my professional career, whether that meant exploring the love space, I just knew that at that time, Equalition like was my fence as much as I love and still respect it to this day. It was blocking me from living. Mm, yeah. And what a beautiful reflection. And, you know, I've only ever done entrepreneurship with my now husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I, he was the first person that really encouraged me to get into business. And so I can't imagine having done this alone because like, it is something that I feel every day I'm bouncing ideas and having thoughts. Yeah. I mean, you now you're probably doing the same. And to be having those feelings, but probably not really wanting to talk to a mile about it at the time, because, you know, at the time you're like, I don't know if I feel this or like having to really like feed that out. Like you said, you've got a great support network around you, which yeah. is so fortunate because that, yeah, that would have been a really big decision to make. Yeah. And even throughout periods of like the peak of the equilibrium growth and stuff, I you know, I have an amazing family and I'm an extremely family orientated person now, but I was very disconnected from friends and family and I was completely isolated on this vision, tunnel vision. Like I didn't see much outside of that. And 
you know, I remember my pop said to me once, I'd love to see you more. And it just started, things just like were hitting home. And it wasn't that I wanted to resign from this full force life. Like I chose this, but I just thought, I think I can be a better human as well. And I think that leaving the business had a bit to do with that too, like just self improvement. Like there was a professional dimension. There was a personal dimension. There was the love side of things, but I was incredibly sad and lonely if I'm completely Mm -hmm. honest. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're ambitious, it's very easy to just keep, uh, you know, you read all these ambitious tales of women who go down the tunnel of whether it's climbing the corporate ladder or building a big company. But I totally feel you. And for the last five and a half years that I've been growing my business, there have been periods of time where I haven't seen my family, haven't spoken yep. to my friends, haven't replied to messages for six weeks, haven't yep. like, because you are, it's not because you don't want to talk don't to anybody. Care. Yeah. It's not because you don't care. You love them. You just literally don't have capacity when you're in that space and when you're making those choices. And sometimes you need to come out, like you mentioned, yep. to be able to see that there are other choices that are on the table. Well, definitely. I think one thing that I did do when I decided to leave, which I encourage if anyone, you know, is is in this sort of boat, maybe not even in their own business, but a job or whatever, is I took my long service leave and that was really helpful. I really kind of found myself at that point in terms of I just knew that there was a decision to be made and it was probably going to be one of the hardest ones I would ever have to make, but it really pointed me like right into that mm. decision. And so then Big Appetite was born. Yeah. And now you're here in the throes of startup world again. Yeah. Probably loving it, but startup world, like it's funny, the second time around, the third time around, it is easier than the first. Yeah. But it's harder because you're also used to a more cruisy pace. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's hard in the sense that you know you have to do your time and it's not happening tomorrow. But, you know, we've had a really incredible last quarter. But then when I think about it, I'm like, of course, we're 10 months in. Like this is almost a year of just like, going full force, working out absolutely tushes off. So it makes total sense. The time flies. The time like absolutely flies. But yeah, you're right. It is, it's different. It's very different. So tell us about Big Appetite. Where did the idea come from and what is it? Okay. So to kill time. So I had obviously in discussion with like investors and whatnot about selling my shares for pollution. And it's been really hard for me to plan the next phase of my life. I didn't know how far ahead to plan given I didn't know the outcome of that. So I started business consulting on the side and I really enjoyed it, accidentally enjoyed it, you know, and it was really just sort of a means to kind of just pass time. But I was just learning so much. It turned into a really great business itself. And I kind of wanted to do something with it. And I was a bit concerned because I had an app idea that I had when I was at Equolution that I was leaving the company to go and do. And I'd fallen into a, a position where I was dealing with my end user every single day. So it made the app idea stick out like a sore thumb. I'm like, I've got to do this, but I can't neglect the fact that I'm doing something also really great right now in a business. And then I met Jenna. Jenna had created this program called the Fitness Business Strategy, which was basically a course that was run by her with one-on-one mentoring throughout it. And it was designed to elevate online coaches and personal trainers businesses. Now, through obviously the industry and just where I had come from, as soon as I started consulting, my offers and knocks on the door and everything like that were all for people in the health and fitness space, corporations and individuals as well. And it just kind of made sense for us to partner. Like it was probably really scary for her because she was a solo founder for so long. And, you know, she was self-employed just by herself 
for ages. Whereas for me, it was like sort of a no brainer. I just think the power of two is great. And yeah, so we partnered and basically came up with a service marrying up tech and development with sales, marketing, branding, and growth. So it's sort of like we believe that the back end goes just as much hand in hand with the front end. And my biggest pain point when I was building my business was technology. I didn't get it. I didn't have access to it. I didn't know it was an option to improve operations, processes. And so when I was consulting and creating sales and marketing campaigns and teaching people how to increase their revenue and additional revenue streams and using their customers to engage in more sales, et cetera, et cetera, I was like, this is just like a, an alien service on its own. I need to I need to be able to build stuff. If I'm telling them to optimize this and optimize that, we need to be able to do that. So Big Appetite is a team of sales and marketing experts, social media experts, engineers, and developers as well. So that was sort of how the business was was born. Incredible. And so what do you help your clients do? Like how do the engineers, like is it that you help them build out their backend and obviously the front yeah. end is sales and marketing. And but, you know, the back end is that like what we spoke about earlier, that delivery portion. And yeah. Yeah. So the big thing that we do is try and take things that are happening manual and move them to a more automated process. Now that could look anything from like taking a face-to-face personal trainer and, you know, creating an online coaching business for them. It could mean building a client portal so their clients are educated on a week-to-week basis with resources that are happening automated without the coach actually having to step in and give those. We do app development. So some people have an app idea and we sort of develop out the app and the concept and stuff. Some people have got broken concepts and they're like, I want this to be a thing, but I don't know what that thing looks like. So we marry up visions with actual like execution sort of thing. So it can be a range of things that we do, but we sort of serve as the medium between a vision and bringing it to life where that middle guy. Beautiful. And it's doing so well in its first year. Congratulations. I know it's been a lot of hard work for you. It's been, this one has been really hard. (laughs) You kind of can't compare it and evolution, sort of their chalk and cheese. But yeah, I think just maybe being out in startup game for some time, I was a bit rusty at the beginning, realizing that you wear so many different hats and don't have a personal assistant anymore. I don't have my accounts managers and all that kind of stuff or all that kind of jazz. But yeah, we do have a really great team and yeah, it's growing and, and it's going really good. And I think for anyone listening, something that I sentiment all the time, but also that Jade is also saying is you do have to take your time. And regardless of you might even now have the capital, you have the skills, you have the support systems in place, you have probably quite a few connections as well that you're yeah. able to leverage and use. But that doesn't mean that you get out of doing the hard work and the dirty work. Like when you're in startup phase, regardless of whether you're a new business owner or a business owner that's been in the game for decades, yeah, you got to do your time. Definitely. And I, I'm, I'm a huge believer in growing as you go as well. Like it doesn't matter what resources you start with or what the end vision is in comparison to how fast you could get there with what you've got now. I really believe that you need to grow in the same way that the business does grow as well and not bite off more than you can chew because then you've mm. got yourself a bad investment on the other side. Yeah. 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 Well, congratulations on building a collusion, on building big appetite, on getting out there again and doing the thing. So what is next? What's the next big focus for this year? What does 2023 look like for Jade Spooner? So similar to what we do for our clients, big appetite 
was very manual when we started and it still is very manual and it will always have that personalized dimension to it in that, you know, we work really hands-on with the businesses in the businesses that we work with, but creating a more automated process and product for us will be the next phase. So founders software type style stuff is the vision of where we're going. I actually saw the demo. We're turning our whole backend into a client portal yesterday and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is so cool. So, so sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It was so once cool. You, once you realize how much tech can change your life, it becomes just the sexiest tool available. Oh, it's insane. It's so crazy. So yeah, that's our next project at Big Uptime. Like I said, I have been working face-to-face with the the trainers and the online coaches that I anticipated to build a business management system for years ago. So I'll be executing that this year as well. I actually just secured investment for it. So I'm looking forward to, yeah, executing that. Congratulations. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, if we were to wrap up today, and thank you for your time, but what I would love to know is... If you could give one piece of advice to somebody who is in the startup phase yep. right now, another female founder who's getting things off the ground, she's in the throes of it, probably her first time in the startup world, yes. what piece of advice would you give her? All your answers are in your customer. Everything that you need to know about where you're going, what you're doing well, why you're making the revenue that you're making and why you're potentially not making more, it's all within the customer. So customer feedback is everything and a customer-centric brand is the ones that live out the days these days. So yeah, I would definitely recommend looking in your own backyard for any answers that you need in your own customer. I love that. I think so many women don't do that because they're scared to know, but it's like, that's what makes it better. That's how you get better. That's how you get better faster. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. And just do the thing as well. There's so many scary things to do in business and Sometimes it's, you know, as micro as making a scary investment within your business. And then sometimes it's as big as deciding to start a business, but you've just got to try. You're like, if you don't, you just simply don't know. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Jade, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. If you want to learn more about Jade, please head to the link that are in the show notes there. But if you love today's episode, we would love it if you would take a screenshot, share it to your story and tag us and tell us what your biggest takeaway was. Jade, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And guys, we'll see you next week. Babe, thank you for tuning into today's episode. It means the absolute world to have you here with me. If you want more, head to the show notes below to check out our latest free resources, along with the exclusive link for podcast listeners to book in a free 15-minute strategy session to find out how you can boom your biz.